time for News with My Dad, a show where we talk about the news with my dad. And on the telephone line, playing the role of my dad is, in fact, my dad, the star of our show, Joe Smith. Pop, how you doing? I'm hoping that the fog helps damp down the fires, and I'm hoping it rains. This is a show we talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop, do you have a shout-out? I have four shout-outs. This is getting ridiculous. Holy We're going to have to start another segment. After four, <laughs> if it gets past four. No, I think four is the level. Three okay, is we'll, cheap. We'll, we'll say four is the limit. But, but but if it ever gets past four, it's no longer whatever it is now. It's no longer a micro segment. It's no longer an intro. It's no longer a warm up. It's just its own show, Dad. And we just need to have a show. We we'll have a show that's called Shout Outs with with my dad. There are just four four demanding shout outs. First, I want a shout out for the entire population of Scotts Mill, Portland, Oregon town, about four hundred people that all turned out and saved their town against the fires. No small thing. It's just it it it's an absolutely marvelous thing showing what Americans can do when they're given the truth and they have a problem. Second, I want to shout out for Wisconsin Justice Brian Hagedorn, who was one of the four conservative justices on the Wisconsin Supreme Court who recognized that what the Republican Party was trying to do in trying to get the Green Party on the ballot so their Green Party candidate could be on the ballot to siphon votes away from Biden and said, no, you are not going to have to reprint all the ballots. The ballots are going to go out just as required by statute. No small thing. Third, I want to shout out for Martin Gugino, who was the guy who got all kinds of publicity because he was knocked down and injured quite badly by police who proceeded to walk on by as if nothing had happened. Is up and at him again, and he says, you bet, he's going to be out on the protest line because there's no no stopping. And finally, I want to shout out for Colonel Alexander Vindman, who had the courage to go on national television and denounce denounce what is happening and speak up for truth and justice. Wonderful guy. And that has been shout outs with that has been uh, I won't even try. I would try to talk sometimes. I try to run the show. It doesn't really work. People understand. They watch me do it. They listen to me do it. They know I'm just doing my best. Go ahead, Dad. You tell me when you want me to talk. Well, I want to let everybody know, all of you commuters, you should be aware that starting Saturday for nine days, the northbound lane of the I-5 bridge across the Columbia is going to be closed. So everybody is going to be using the southbound lane, which means half of it will be going south and half north, which will significantly slow down traffic across the bridge during commuting times especially. So just plug that into your plans starting Saturday for nine days. Uh, Where do you want to start? Let's talk about the fires. Fires, 281 road miles on 
state highways are closed because of the fires. One of the worst is Oregon 22, which is the route out of Salem towards the towards Santa Am, where they say there are hundreds of thousands of trees that are going to have to be removed before the highway is open. Wow. We should be relieved that uh, we are informed that despite all the smoke, it's still okay to drink Portland water. Bull Run water is okay. The Deer Ridge Prison had uprising because of the smoke and also because of mold and rats. And a very interesting thing, the, some people, the uprising was called either riots or protests. But the interesting thing is, is that the prison management said it was protests and the inmates said it was riots. I guess they think by using the word riots, they're more likely to get some help in relieving them of the smoke and the mold and the rats. And then it might might be just worth telling people what's happening with the fires over the last 24 hours. The fires that grew, the Lion's Head, which is west of Warm Springs, is 183,000. I think it's the biggest, it is the biggest fire. 183,000 acres grew 15,647 acres. The sister, which is located in Josephine County, that's in southern Oregon, 137,000 acres. It grew 5,500 acres. The Bretain in Lake County, that's in southeast Oregon, 39,500 acres. It grew a little over 5,000 acres. Archie Creek, which is northeast of Roseburg, that's in towards southern Oregon, uh, 125,000 acres, grew a little over 4,000. Thiessen and Diamond Lake, which is the small fire, smaller fire, is 7,000 acres, it grew 1,000 acres. Holiday Farm, a big fire, east of Eugene Springfield, 167,000, it grew 849 acres. By the way, when people are wondering, 640 acres is a square mile. So when you say 849 acres, that means a little over a square mile. When you say 15,647 acres, that's something like 30, 20, some square miles. And Beachy Creek in Satiam Canyon, Canyon, 190,000 acres, grew at 773. That's east of Salem in southern Clackamas County. And Riverside near Estricada, 135,000 acres, grew just under 1,000 acres. Fires that did not grow, Jackson County, 32,000 burned, 242 in the Chilliquin area, south of Bend, 14,000 didn't grow, Echo Mountain Complex, Lincoln County, which is on the coast, little one, just 2,552 acres, it did not grow. But the fires are really burning, and we really, really, really need rain. Hurricane Sally has left 555,000 people without power in the United States. Tropical storm has left more than a half a million Americans without power. As heavy rains and storm surges have swept the U.S. Gulf Coast, Sally weakened after it made landfall as a Category 2 hurricane on Wednesday, but the slow-moving storm continues to batter Florida and Alabama. 
The big thing about it is not the wind, it's the water. Where the, where they've had, some places have had two feet, one place had three feet, three feet, that's 36 inches of rain. Now just imagine, take, take a yardstick and imagine, put that yardstick vertical and imagine water everywhere, everywhere coming out of the sky, that much water. It is just mind-boggling. Go ahead, Bob. Okay. Well, before we completely leave the fires, I just want to compliment Ron Wyden, who made an impassioned speech on the Senate floor, saying the debt that we have been compiling on lack of adequate forest management is coming due. And that, indeed, it is coming due. But I want to... I want to talk about the charge in today's Guardian that a woman named Amy Doris says that back in 1997, when she was attending the U.S. Open with her boyfriend, who was a close friend of the president, and she was really attacked by DDT and and the description of what he did to her, which, by the way, is supported by several other people who she told back then about the incident, and Guardian has confirmed that. DDD, of course, is denying it ever happened. But the, the description of what happened to her dovetails so well with the tape that was played nationally in August, October of 2016, which everybody thought was going to sink DDT's candidacy, and it did not. But his bragging fits what she describes. It just it just says, hey, listen, it's true. It's true. We'll see, and we'll have to see what happens with it. I started talking about Hurricane Sally. I lost exactly where I was. I'll say this. A health official is going to take a leave of absence after he attacked federal scientists. Dad, uh, you've been tracking the Michael Caputo story, yeah? Yes, I certainly have. So Michael Caputo, the top spokesman of the Department of Health and Human Service, has now taken a 60-day leave of absence. Dad, I, I'm so embarrassed. I have not seen his rant. Everybody else has seen his rant probably a jillion times. I haven't seen his rant. Did you, have you seen his rant? So... It has been a little frustrating because I've had just to read descriptions rather than see the actual thing, but the descriptions are pretty awful. Uh, he posted his inflammatory Facebook video. He accused government scientists of working to defeat Trump or urged his followers to buy ammunition uh, ahead of what he predicted would be an armed surrection. Leave absent followed uh, recent destruction. Uh, recent disclosures, rather, that he had tried to also water down or delay official reports of the CDC to bolster Trump's message that the pandemic is under control. Uh, Dad, you wanted to also talk about Bill Barr. If we're talking about Trump Confederates, Barr warned the United States going down the socialist path if Trump is not reelected. It was during an interview with Chicago Tribune 
Uh, Barr acknowledged that as attorney general, he is not supposed to get into politics. That is, was a surprise to some of us. Here was his quote. I think we are getting in the position we're going to find ourselves irrevoc- irrevocably committed, if I can use the English language, to the socialist path. I think if Trump loses the election, that will be the case. You wanted to talk about Barr. Dad, go ahead. Bill Barr has turned out to be just a really, really bad man. Bad man. He has... First, he has told the the U.S. attorneys, all of whom are appointed by the president around the country, a U.S. attorney for every every uh, federal district, that they should seriously look at the possibility of charging people with sedition under the very very ancient sedition law, which would enable them to make federal crimes out of violence being performed by protesters. I don't I think it's often not protesters, they're just vandals. But anyhow, and he has said that the lockdown and that any lockdown of folks because of COVID telling people they had to stay home is the second greatest violation of civil liberties in history, second only to slavery. And really comparing it to slavery blows my mind. He also has said that career lawyers in the U.S. Attorney's offices should not be making prosecution decisions. The decisions should all be made by the political employees, those people who are appointed by the president which is just the kind of thing that dictators dictators want to make sure that they decide who gets charged and who does not get charged. And as you mentioned, he is completely flouting the unstated rule that the attorney general is not supposed to be out using his office and his position and his pulpit for political, naked political purposes. Laundry list! Stop first, the laundry list! First, DDT is making a big deal out of the detente that has been announced between Israel and the United Arab Emirates last week and then Bahrain, and they, they had a big signing ceremony with Bahrain and UAE. But before you get too excited about that, it might be worth pointing out that there is there is no conflict, no armed conflict between Israel and Bahrain and UAE. And one of the reasons for that is, is that the distance between Israel and Bahrain is about the same as the distance between Portland, Maine, and Minneapolis. And the distance between Israel and the UAE is about the same as the distance between Portland, Oregon and Minneapolis, which suggests to me that that is really not all that big a deal because all they're really doing is just swapping embassies. International Greenland, CAV, huge piece of ice, 113 square kilometers, has broken off, which is just scary. Lukashenko, and Putin, Lukashenko, the Belarus boss, 
Putin. We know who he is, boss. They had their meeting. What's going to happen in Belarus is really offering. The UN has issued a report on biodiversity that says that the 20 targets that 195 countries entered into agreed to, to seek 20 years ago in Aichi, Japan, only six of those have been partially met when the target was supposed to be for 20 of them to be accomplished. Biodiversity is, we're just losing diversity like crazy. Pope Francis, this is some good news, has said that the pleasure of eating and the pleasure of sex comes from God. Of course, it's supposed to be in appropriate circumstances. Well, that's, that's why they be. say very often at a good meal and very often that other that other act you describe, which I'm less familiar with, the uh, uh, people sometimes do say, oh, God. <laughs> and last, DDT has hinted that he might pardon Snowden. Wouldn't that be interesting? For election news... Biden is outspending Trump on television. Six states are right now the focus of the campaign. More than $700 million has been spent on TV ad booking so far in 14 key states. Almost 85% is going to six key swing states. Dad, do you know what those six states are? I'm not trying to put you on the spot or quiz you, uh, but wondering if you already know, if you want to make a guess at any of what those six states are. Let let me see. Swing states, Florida, Florida. Minnesota, yes. Wisconsin. What was, wait, what was your second one? What? What was your second one? You said Minnesota, Florida, yes. Wisconsin. Wisconsin, yes. Keep going. Uh, Pennsylvania. Yes. Uh, Pennsylvania, yes. I'm not sure what the others are. That's a good start. Uh, North Carolina, which is in the south, apparently. Uh, Arizona, which is closer to here, as I understand it. Uh, and Michigan, uh, which, oh, Michigan. I, as I, I understand it, they Michigan. make cars there, used to. I should have gotten Michigan. No, they definitely still do. They still make a lot of cars there. Do you know why, by the way? Do you know why they make cars in Michigan? Why they make cars in Michigan? Yeah, like why why the Rust Belt became the Rust Belt? Why Detroit became the uh, Well, I think it was because that's where Henry Ford was. It's, it's more than that. It's actually not because so much of it, is, so much of American history is told because of a hero narrative. It turns out what's happening is because of the river cities, because you had all of these boats and all these tinkerers that are working on boats because they're making boats go up and down the river cities, moving things like, you know, dead pigs, etc. And you had all these tinkers that really good at engines. And so they started translating that to railroad cars and other devices for shipping things. And that's and and that's what ended up tinkering with the internal combustion engine, etc. And that's what that's what gave uh, gave fruit to Ford, the Dodge Brothers and all the other Pontiac and the other folks that were making uh, uh, started making cars. Uh, So anyway, and Detroit was at the time a century, almost exactly a century ago, a little more. The Silicon Valley of the United States, that's where technological innovation was happening. And that persisted until about the 1950s when the American auto industry got so strong, it no longer needed to innovate. It just needed to regulate. It just needed to preserve its position in the in the American market, in the world market. And it wasn't until foreign competition, it really wasn't until Japanese automakers started to disrupt the global auto industry that uh, that you saw a meaningful disruption of the American auto industry, and I, I did you know I was part of this ambassador tour to uh, to Detroit and had a chance to hear from the head of the foundation network out there that was trying to rebuild Detroit, 
And he was like, yeah, for a long time, as Detroit even was, its economy was collapsing, there was this belief in town that they were just one new Chevy away from that turning around. One new Lee Iacocca thing, one new Mustang uh, from changing the economic dynamic. Anyway, I find the history of American cars uh, fascinating. We can move on from there. Democrats have keyed in even more closely in those six states. The Biden campaign and supporting groups have spent almost 90% of their money there. Trump Republicans have spent 78% of every dollar in those six states. Biden campaign Democratic groups supporting him are outspending Trump and his allies by $40 million since starting the campaign, which is pretty close, actually, $379 million to $337 million. Biden and allies are far outspending Republicans in the blue wall states of Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Trump flipped those states in his favor, won those states in 2016 by fewer than 80,000 votes combined. Biden allies are outspending Trump and groups supporting him in those states, 174 million to 173 million, trying to rebuild that blue wall, which I mean in a different way than the red wall. Trump, Trump apparently is having some money problems. Of course, part of that might be because his campaign has spent over $50 million in legal fees, both for stuff they're trying to pull off, like what they were trying to do in Wisconsin with the ballots, and defending the myriad lawsuits which are filed against him. But but so much of that money strikes me as just being going down the drain because people aren't watching ads that much anymore. They just aren't. That money should be going to build build grassroots, really grass assist grassroots movements. The uh, people aren't watching ads because they have remotes, and the uh, well, well, we'll just have to see. But it's a lot of the. The, the big beneficiaries of that are the media. They're the big winners. Election they, results. They get all the money. Election results will take longer. Uh, article in New York Times, but it will not be because of Trump's claims about unsolicited ballots. Uh, he tweeted on Thursday morning, that's this morning, uh, this story from just 37 minutes ago, that he says, well, the results may never be accurately determined. To be clear, there is absolutely no evidence that states that vote by mail have any meaningful issues with accuracy at all. That, of course, includes our state of Oregon. That includes Colorado. That includes Washington. Mail-in voting is considered especially secure and accurate because it has a clear paper trail. Uh, Pop, I think we can understand. I can think you. I can guess your guess of Trump's motive. Like we know that he's trying to obfuscate the results of the election. Do you think that's just because he wants to delay, or do you think it's actually how far down the tinfoil? Ha- I could go pretty far down the tinfoil hat path. How far down the tinfoil hat path are you willing to go? For instance, here's the here's pretty further down. Okay, further down is yeah. The reason doesn't like vote by mail isn't just because he wants to suppress the vote. The reason that won't vote by mail is because it has a paper trail, and he wants votes that don't have a paper trail because they can be manipulated, and the voting machines are manipulated. And there were even those who were making claims about that around the election, but there was no, uh, there, there was no good proof because, heck, it was just if somebody did it, they did it by hacking. Uh, so how far down, Pop, the conspiracy theory road are you willing to walk down? 
that's if if I were completely irresponsible, if I if I were the Rush Limbaugh of the left, I would suggest that the Russian trolls, the, the Russian effort to infiltrate its influence over elections, where they have been trying and succeeding to some extent in hacking in to state election uh, networks, that the Russians would be just delighted to actually get in to the counting and mess up the counting and 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 DDT's relationship with the Russians would suggest that he might just ask them to do that. But since I am not the Rush Limbaugh of the left, I'm going to say I'm not going to suggest that is going to happen, but still it, well, maybe it might. There are, by, there's, by the way, little likelihood that states that are automatically sending out ballots will have much of an impact in the Electoral College, by the way. And I hadn't done this arithmetic, so shout out to New York Times for doing it for us. There are nine states and Washington, D.C. that automatically mail out ballots. But of those, only Nevada is a real battleground state. The rest are either reliably blue or reliably red, will likely be called within minutes of closing for either, either Trump or Biden. So the states that are going to likely need more time to count ballots are the no-excuse absentee ballot states. That Those are the states who want to vote by mail. Anybody who wants to vote by mail can choose to do so. They need to request a ballot. Of course, Trump and Melania both voted this way in the past. Uh, and the, and Ivanka. And so it's, so it's going to be solicited ballots. And Trump has sort of said, well, solicited ballots are okay. But then he goes after uh, vote-by-mail states as those are bad. It can get a little bit confusing. But to be clear, vote by, the automatic vote-by-mail states, this would have been a thing had there been, and maybe it was effective because he effectively blocked any Republican legislator from wanting to support vote-by-mail when there was time to implement automatic vote-by-mail when there's a chance to do emergency legislation earlier this year or uh, in order to say, hey, listen, we need more vote-by-mail states, so he's blocking that. Uh, but wanted to flag that. Do you, I'm going to find other election news. Dad, do you have other election news? Well, before I leave that subject, I think, I think the point you are making should be underlined that, that it's very possible that DDT has figured out paper ballots are not a good thing for him if he really is going to try to mess up what's happening in the computers because paper ballots, unless you have a Supreme Court like we did the last time who shut down an election because of the chads, paper ballots, are they're there. And uh, you, you can't, you, you, can't you, you, you can count those, but you can't uncount them. So we'll see. Yeah, you had mentioned another round of allegations, credible allegations against the president of CNN, uh, story also just this morning that the headline being Republicans they said GOP growing more indifferent to Trump controversies as the election nears so a bunch of public health folks were alarmed when Trump had an indoor rally with thousands of supporters without any masks in Nevada in a vote by mail state for what it's worth amid the deadly coronavirus Josh Hawley was asked, he's a Republican Missouri, was asked if that rally troubled him. He said, no, it doesn't. 
Uh, I'm fine with uh, the fact they check up with whether their vote counted, said, uh, said Senator Richard Burr, when, they was, when we learned that Trump had urges North Carolina supporters to go to the polls even after voting absentee. He goes, I say, vote twice. And Senator Burr's response was, oh, that's okay. I'm okay with he said that. So far, there is no indication that there will be any, you know, we've said it's now become cliche, his line about, about Manhattan uh, with uh, Manhattan, you know, and I, as I try to form words, I apologize, folks, uh, pulling out a gun and shooting somebody and his, his supporters not caring about it. But what things do you think are going to matter? And I'm not saying anybody says, you know, nothing matters. I hate that talking point. I don't believe you. I think everything matters just because blank percentage of the population doesn't care about stuff that matters doesn't mean it doesn't matter. It just means they don't care. What do you think will matter? What should we pay attention to? Obviously, voter turnout's going to matter. Obviously, we got a we got a text in that Trump is setting up more field offices than Biden because they're less scared of the coronavirus or uh, what things do you think are going to matter? I think that the debates potentially are going to matter maybe more than the debates ever have. I think the debates are going to be very, very much watched, and 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 the both the debates and the commentary after the debates. Of course, forty percent about of the population are going to get all of the comments about the debates from Fox News, which will be obfuscating and spinning and lying to try to make it appear that however DDT did, he really did great. But uh, there are a lot of people who are going to be watching on CNN and MSNBC and even ABC and NBC and CBS and C-SPAN and the commentary after those liable to be more balanced I just I am just predicting the debates potentially are going to be really important if uh, particularly if uh, Biden does not uh, does not gaff well dad Rasmussen I don't know if you noticed this but did you check out the most recent Rasmussen poll that came out I think just yesterday I did not catch that you want to you want to guess what it said in terms of approve disapprove of the president? I'm going to guess it's probably mid mid thirties. Approve fifty one, disapprove forty eight. You're kidding me. Now to be clear, this is Rasmussen. Rasmussen uh, is a conservative polling firm, and I don't mean by that in the same way as Fox News, a conservative organization. I mean Rasmussen oversamples conservative voters. Of course, if there are dynamics that mean that over that conservatives should be oversampled, doesn't mean Rasmussen is always wrong. But fifty-one forty-eight shows Trump. Uh, Morning Consult, to be clear, though, had it forty-one fifty-four the other way. Uh, disapproval uh, by thirteen. Morning Consult has been pretty steady with a thirteen-point uh, underwater level for Trump. Uh, Biden up six, uh, according to the USC poll, uh, on, in two different polls, up one, up six, and up seven. Monmouth had him just up two, though, in Arizona. Arizona, of course, a battleground state. That's a quick look at the polling. 
Pop, do you think that the media is doing a better job in 2020 of trying to cover the presidential election? Perhaps marginally, but only marginally. And I think it's right on that the earned media is the is the place where in in 2016 they were just they were always covering the guy, always covering him, and of course they always cover they they go to all of these quote press conferences close quote quote that he holds supposedly to report on COVID when actually what they are are just are just free advertising that the media is giving him. And, and I'm realizing the, the the success of DDT is because so many people in America, and I think probably around the world, but so many people in America have been feeling for the last many years that they were getting screwed by somebody. They might be getting screwed by their boss. They might be getting screwed by their neighbors. They might be getting screwed by the city. They might be getting screwed by it. The, but they were just feeling they were getting screwed. And DDT came along and said, hey, I'm going to help everybody who's getting screwed to not be getting screwed anymore. I'm going to drain the swamp. And, of course, he has he has built an entirely new swamp. But that's the appeal. That's the appeal. If I feel that I've been mistreated somewhere, and this guy is screaming all the time about mistreating, and, oh, I like that. I like that. It is a, uh, and this will maybe be a segue. We'll take a quick break, and we'll then come back and talk about local news. But this is potentially a segue. Uh, In order to avoid addressing real problems, in order to avoid, and I don't mean, I mean, I mean real problems. I mean, I mean the fact that we have a fire season that is making horrible history. I mean that we are about to have 200,000 people confirmed to have died from a communicable disease that we that should it, that those deaths should have been one-third that level had we responded like other countries with our socioeconomic and technological capability that in order to distract people from the biggest wealth disparities since 100 years ago and moving towards the biggest wealth disparities in history there's no analog we were talking on democracy nerd with a professor from Yale and a professor from Berkeley said there is no there is no analog to what's happened with the growth and wealth disparities in the United States. Nobody, no country has ever seen what's happened here. Uh, there's no way to therefore have a lot of good analogs about what it might do. But if you don't want people to pay attention to those things, if you don't want people to pay attention to the suppression of democracy itself, then your tools might be myriad, but many of those tools boil down to posing an enemy, posing an enemy that you will hate so much, that you will distrust so much, that you will be so resentful of, that you that your hatred for that enemy, that your desire to defeat that enemy, will be more important than trying to address big problems staring humanity in the face. And that here is my segue. Think about how that translates now to mass media and how that is translating to the local politics here with respect to protests, with respect to our new district attorney. And I will share what a member of the police bureau said about our district attorney when he said, I'm not going to listen to you. And when we come back from the break, I'll say why that officer said he wasn't going to listen to the D.A. And it ties right into what I was just saying. 
Pop, I think it is time for us to spend some focus on what is happening here in our fair hamlet, in our fair state. Where do you want to start? Well, I think we should mention that it looks like there may be enough signatures being submitted to recall, to, to propose a recall of the Lake Oswego Mayor, Dan Holliday, and if, if that's right, if they do have enough signatures, means that he either has to resign before the 6th of October, or there will be a recall vote on the 10th of November, which is a week after the election, means they'd have a special election one week after the big election to vote on whether, and if he is recalled, then there would be another election in March to replace him. That'll be interesting to keep your eye on. Amy Rathfelder, who was running Ted Wheeler's campaign, has left. Do you have any inside scoop on that? Well, he's losing. Uh, and I don't mean he's losing the election. I mean, he's been losing ground. Uh, and she got another gig. No, I got no insight. There was no... Well, that's not true. I have speculation. Uh, but it's... Here's one, here's one thing I'll say. That Ted is a little bit less tethered. And one could even... One could even state this is a compliment, okay? And I am, as I've said a bunch of times, I'm here neither to praise Caesar nor to bury him. But uh, he is, in some ways, less tethered to the political apparatus, right? To the sort of the sort of our Oregon, uh, uh, Mark Wiener, Kevin Looper, uh, Bob Stoll mechanism to the labor. Uh, to the uh, to the public labor network as a as a big piece of that to a lot of the progressive activist uh, networks the that's that's not all one thing but it's uh, but it forms a melange that drives a lot of local power politics that is more internecine now that is more uh, that is more insulated now in some respects uh, than it has been there's been a rise in the growth of power in communities of color that is. Uh, that is sort of the w one major shakeup element. Ted Wheeler is, and and Ted Wheeler, of course, has relationships with all of those folks and knows all of those folks, but is a little less tethered to them. And his power base, if you were complimenting him, is a little more independent. One challenge, though, when he's when you look at his uh, campaign teams, they tend to be a little less connected to that apparatus, a little less connected to Oregon. And so his campaign manager, he's had campaign staff from elsewhere, and then they've headed back out elsewhere. Uh, he's had, uh, you know, his staff from when he was treasurer is no longer with him. Uh, and it's, I'm not saying the mayor is an island, but I do find that dynamic interesting and something that people are wanting to understand the local political scene that is probably a place where we can add some value. Uh, I, I think, I guess that's worth understanding a little bit. That's not the end of the story. That's, you know, there's lots more pieces to it. People could even take issue with what I said, but I'd at least offer that. Your mention of Kevin Looper reminds me, did I catch correctly that Kevin Looper is actually uh, helping ramrod the opposition to the Metro Transportation, Metro Transportation Measure? Yeah, he's working He's working with Dan Levy. The first time I know that they hooked up, Dan Levy uh, is major conservative... Um, major conservative consultant in uh, in Portland. And uh, and the first time I knew that they teamed up was Kitsop would say, oh, you know what we'll do is we'll get we'll get labor and business together and they'll figure out how to how to address the budget. They'll figure out what what sort of tax reform or what tax increase or what combination could be 
put out to voters that people would actually vote for. And if we get both labor and business, then we'll win that thing. And that is a that is not a it's not the dumbest way to think about politics, to be clear. My own critique for what it's worth is, yeah, but when it comes to that, the challenge is not only it's not only a binary game. The real power comes with the people. Right? It wasn't labor and business who pushed Measure 11, for instance. That was a measure that went to the people. It wasn't uh, labor and business that pushed campaign finance reform, a very different issue, to be clear, than Measure 11 uh, minimum uh, sentences. Uh, it was the people. And so I think very often, if the people are left out, uh, your political strategy doesn't amount to what it ought to be. Of course, that's why they do polling. Anyway, so yeah, he started working out working with Dan, Dan Levy. At least they started interfacing then, I know, maybe earlier. And yeah, I think they're working together now to uh, to try to beat back the transportation tax, to beat back Lynn Peterson's uh, transportation initiative. And, and maybe next week, I think think we should, uh, perhaps a week from today, have a, a real rundown on what is going to be on the ballot in the way of initiatives, both statewide and local, so that people can be watching. Yeah, that'd be a good idea. Uh, a couple other things that we went through. White House has approved wildfire relief for Portland. The Beachy Fire, which has destroyed 1,300 structures, was 20% contained as of yesterday. Containment has reached 3% for the Riverside Fire in Clackamas County. That is not as good. We did do a bunch of talking about the fires. Uh, Testing for COVID-19 has gone way down because of the fires and because of the smoke. Uh, Portland's housing initiative, Dad, I don't know if you saw this, but Portland's housing initiative might get an unexpected roadblock with expensive water meters. Uh, Amanda, yes, eight thousand bucks per. How in the world can it cost eight thousand bucks just to put in a water meter? That that blows my mind. Well, you know, you, you it, it the person what you have to do what they're doing is they're doing it kind of like old fashioned elevators. The water meter it's not a machine dad it's a person. They're going to sit there for a hand number of hours and just it just sort of count your water. I don't know why it's eight thousand dollars. It's I sus- I don't know why it's eight thousand dollars. I suspect a lot of that's administration. But there is now, and, and the controversy is that Amanda Fritz is the one who you know, runs the water bureau, is pushing that plan, and it's to which solve. Is, which there's a suspicion that she's doing it because she's been opposed, she's been opposed to the, the density thing all along, and she's trying to sabotage it. Yeah, that's the criticism. She said she's not wedded to this particular thing, but she is trying to address a, a real problem, and that is that her concern is that shared water meters prevent a lot of low-income families from qualifying for discounts on their water bill. Latino Network and others have been voicing those concerns. She also worries that and argues that shared meters encourage, encourage excessive water use. You know, hey, if it's a classic collective action problem. I can use all my water and uh, all I want, and I'm not paying the whole bill. And by the way, they might do it if I don't, so I better use all I can. So she has wanted better metering, and having better and more advanced metering is a good thing. Eight thousand dollars a piece, though, that's a bunch. Any other local story you want to touch on before we go away? Mentioning that the governor has said that she's going to be exercising her line item veto power in order to try to keep the budget in balance. It'll be interesting to watch and see what she decides to to redline. Maybe not terribly important, but I but I think it was worth mentioning that Columbia River High School across the river in Clark County, has decided to give up its name Chieftain, 
which has been being pushed by Native Americans for a while, and they're going to have to come up with a new name for the high school. And I guess there's an elementary school there, too, that feeds the Columbia River High School that's also called the Chieftains. They're going to get rid of their name. And then somebody that I want to get, I'm going to see sometime in the next couple of weeks, if I can, to get somebody who is involved with the Portland-based New Scale Power which has received approval from the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission for 12 modular nuclear reactors, which uh, would power something like 50,000 homes. Want to learn more about that? It's a it's a it's it's a local initiative that is using small nuclear reactors to produce power. That's something to, for us to learn more about. There is one thing I've got to mention. Have you heard about the label on Patagonia shorts? Yes, Pat- but I can't say it. Well, <laughs> it says vote the a hole. Actually, there's a little a couple of missing Spells letters. Spells it out. Out yeah. mm-hmm. on their tag on the tag on the shorts. And when asked about it, they're saying, "Listen, we support folks who are trying to address climate change and and environmental." And we're an environmental sensitive company, and so it's, we think it's quite appropriate to put that on our shorts. Yeah. Well, Dad, you got a straw in the wind? I have two straws in the wind. A straw in the wind. First straw in the wind. There are many states in which the state tax is regressive. Illinois is a classic example. In Illinois, the bottom fifth of the population pays 14.4% of their income on taxes. The middle fifth, 12.6% on taxes. The top 1%, 7.4% on taxes. There is a measure on the ballot which would, if passed, make a reduction in task for tax for 97% of the population, everybody that earns less than 250 grand a year, and more for the 3%. If that had been in effect for the last 20 years, it would have meant a transfer of wealth from the lowest, poorest, to the from the richest of $50 billion. That's a straw in the wind to watch. And last one, Mayor de Blasio, New York, has told everybody in the mayor's office, 495 employees, that they're all going to get one week furlough with no pay help address the budget shortfall, including him, and he says he's going to keep working, but he won't get paid for it. That could be an interesting straw in the wind. Well, Pop, we did it one more time. We did it indeed, and we'll be back on Monday. Love you, lad. And we appreciate the X-Ray family and the Who's My Dad family out there. We appreciate you folks. Love you, Pop. We'll talk to you soon.